We're going to be looking together at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning today. We're going to just focus on one verse today, verse 1. It is a verse that sort of outlines what's going to happen for this entire chapter, in fact, several chapters. 1 Corinthians 8 is like a fine diamond. You have to look closely to see its real beauty. At first glance, it seems to be all about a first century problem with meat and temples and idols. But you look closer, you look more deeply, and this chapter is really about how to get along with people, about how to love in life's sticky situations. It's about how to continue to love when you're backed into a corner. Let me read for you how this chapter begins. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, the first phrase is, now, about food sacrificed to idols. So you know from the very beginning, from this first phrase, that idols and meat sacrificed in those idols' temples, it forms the background of this chapter. In fact, this is such an important issue in the Corinthian church, Paul takes three chapters, in one sense, to talk about this problem. In chapter 8, he tells us that a little knowledge can be a dangerous thing. In chapter 9, he tells us that real freedom is giving your rights away. And in chapter 10, he talks to us about the dangers of temptation and practical directions for this problem. The problem, you and I don't live in the first century in Corinth, so it's not a familiar problem to us. The problem was, could a Christian eat meat that had been sacrificed in an idol's temple to an idol? Could they do that in social situations? You see, in that day, banquets were often held in an idol's temple. Sometimes it was an honoring of a false god that was done there, but sometimes it was just a community kind of banquet. Knowing at that banquet that the meat that you ate probably had been sacrificed to the idol and then taken into a back room after that had been happened and somehow cooked up, could you eat that meat? Could you do it in a friend's house? You go over to a friend's house and they say to you, hey, I got this meat for half off. I bought it at the butcher's right near the idol's temple. Yeah, they sacrificed it to an idol first and they brought it over to the butcher. This was done in that day and this meat is half off. It was a great deal. Could you eat that meat? If it was a meal that somehow, a meat that had been previously offered to an idol, could you eat it? Could you buy it? Could you go and buy it for half off at that butcher's place? Much of the eat of the meat that was offered to an idol was sold. That's where the best deals were. Almost always... In that day, the meat that you would buy had been offered in Corinth, had been dedicated to some god before it was slaughtered. So could you eat any meat that you hadn't somehow butchered yourself? Paul has an answer for this, what to them was a confusing and also a conflicting situation. It was causing conflict between them. His answer is to begin by talking about relationships rather than meat. And in so doing, as we walk through this chapter, he gives us four powerful principles about how to love people in the midst of disagreement, in the midst of difficulty, when you see things differently, when you're coming at things from different angles, how do you continue to love people? These four principles, the first one is at the center of everything we're going to talk about. The first principle is you let love lead the way. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, that entire verse says, Now, about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. What a great, great picture. What do you call putting on pounds without gaining any muscle? You call that fat. And that's what happens, Paul is saying here, when we think we can attain or gain anything in our lives without an increase in love. He's telling us here that you and I live with a constant choice for what we're going to base our actions on, our responses to other people, our actions in our own lives. We live with this constant choice. 
what am I going to base this action on? What is going to be the motivation for this action? And Paul is telling us here that the two of the strongest motivators in our lives for the ways that we act are knowledge and love. And he says if you use knowledge as your only motivator, you're going down the wrong road. Love has to lead the way. In fact, he makes it very clear. He says knowledge by itself, it puffs up. Love builds up. He's building a contrast between love and knowledge here. Knowledge are the facts, the concept, the ideas that you've learned in your life, even that you've learned as a Christian, about your Christian life, about following Jesus from Bible studies, from sermons, from seminars, and your own personal study. It's the facts that you know about the Bible, about what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to act. But the truth of the matter is, just knowledge is not enough. We need knowledge, no doubt about that. We're gonna look at that during this week, how important knowledge is. But just knowledge is not enough. All of us know people who relate to others simply on a know-it-all level. If you want to get along with other people, if you want to make a difference in other people's lives, you have to act based on the love of Christ and not the knowledge in your head. So Paul says it's love that builds up. You need knowledge, but knowledge without love is nothing. Anything without love is nothing. Love he's talking about here is agape love, God's kind of love, the love that sacrifices in order to meet somebody else's need. Paul says love it builds up. Knowledge by itself puffs up. Now you need both. You have to know some things, but then you have to love everyone. So how do you balance both? How do you balance knowledge and love? Because the truth of the matter is knowledge is not the problem here. The problem was the lack of love. How do you balance the two? Let me tell you a story, a story from the Bible, from Jesus. It was required in Jesus's day that you take care of your aging parents, even if that were a financial burden. But there was a group of religious men called the Pharisees in that day who found a way around that. They used their knowledge to get around that. They would call a portion of their income or their wealth dedicated to God. They had a word for that, Korban. It was dedicated to God. And since God was more important than their parents, they told themselves, then they didn't have to spend that portion on their family. Now, of course, since these Pharisees were serving God with their whole life, that meant the whole of what they had didn't have to be spent on their aging parents. They'd found a way through their knowledge around love. And when you hear that story, something that was happening in Jesus' day, how does that make you feel? You might be thinking, I would never act like that. Well, remember, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge by itself makes you prideful. If instead you're able to think, Lord, show me. Show me how I could use what I know as an excuse not to love. We all can do that. When you and I get that attitude, we're on our way towards the attitude that Jesus wants us to have. Why do you think the New Testament is so filled with stories about judgmental Pharisees? Not so that you and I can feel morally superior to them. God put those stories in the scripture because you and I have the same struggles as those Pharisees. We can let knowledge lead the way rather than letting love lead the way. And there's some warning signs to look for in your life of this. If you have a life that's being led by knowledge instead of love, that knowledge is going to lead to an intolerance of others. And your growth in knowledge is going to lead to a growth in pride. When you see intolerance towards others, when you see pride growing in your life, that is a danger sign. Your Christian knowledge could be something that keeps your closest friends and your relatives from coming to Christ. As scary as that sounds, it could be true. What's more important to you, showing the love of Christ or proving yourself right? If every conversation you're having with those who are not believers is an argument, then you're probably being led by knowledge rather than love. 
Now, they may be very argumentative. I may not understand the situation you're in. I'm saying you probably are, because I don't know. I don't know your situation, but let God's Spirit speak to you. Your knowledge could be something that's keeping you from giving love to a fellow believer when they're most hurting. You know that they're wrong, but you're holding them at arm's length because they don't seem to know that they're wrong like you need them to know that they're wrong. Right now, they don't need your knowledge. They need your love. In fact, they need someone like you who knows the wrong in their life to keep on loving them so they can be pulled out of that wrong to the righteous place that God wants them to be, living in his love again. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. Now, I'm a teacher. I love to teach God's word, and I love knowledge. I love knowing God's word. So for me personally, this verse is one that I've had to return to again and again and again. Lord, am I acting out of my knowledge now, what I know, or am I acting out of your love now? Let my motivation be love. Let knowledge give me wisdom. Let knowledge show me where to be and who to be with. But let the motivation, let love lead the way. If you're like me, you need Jesus' strength to do that. Let's ask for it today. Pray with me, would you? Jesus, I need your strength. We need your strength. Give us the strength today to love. Thank you for what we know. Thank you for what we know about salvation, for what we know about this world, for what we know about hope. Thank you for what we know. I pray that that knowledge would strengthen our love rather than weaken our love. Lord, show us who to love today. Show us how to love today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look at how to have a knowledge that doesn't overshadow your love. 